If you watch football, and I don't know if any longer you want to, But if you watch football, there's a commercial that's gotten a lot of airtime that has actually evoked strong responses. I know I had a very strong response to it. So let's take a look at this commercial. one-day delivery on millions of items with Prime. How many of you have seen that commercial? Most of you, right? And I'm sure you kind of look at that and you go, oh, isn't that sweet? No, isn't that wonderful? I was deeply and grossly offended by that commercial. I will admit, right? For a variety of reasons. As your pastor, I am. So I believe that actually... Um, media has the power to shape our attitudes and shape our perspectives. And I think what we're being shaped to in this commercial is um, hurtful, quite honestly, to the church and and lacks integrity on a very basic level. So let's review and go through. So um, we have mom who's clearly been abruptly woken. Um, You can see how high the sun is in the middle of the day kind of thing. She obviously overslept, slept in late. Um, And while there are probably a variety of reasons why moms sleep in um, when their whole family is up and active, it actually looks strangely like maybe perhaps she's made a series of bad decisions the night before. Right? Right? And then it goes to Kid, who decided clearly on a whim to start a band, and we know it was on a whim because he needed his hair gel overnighted to him. And then his friend or other sibling or whatever has a drum set, as if anyone needs a drum set overnight. Paul, do you get, did you get your first drum set overnighted to you? No. How long did you wait for your first drum set? Two weeks. Who gets a drum set overnighted to them? Why is that necessary? And then, that's all made possible by dad, who in his excessive spending to his overindulged children, throws in a pair of noise-canceling headphones for him. And at the end, it says, I don't know if you noticed the little word that floated down, what, what, what does Amazon claim that they deliver? What was that? Peace. Now. When you shirk your parental responsibility and seemingly be passive-aggressive towards your wife who slept in, knowing that, quite honestly, you have your spouse... As a husband, when you know your wife is sleeping and you allow a band practice to take place while she's sleeping, knowing that it will abruptly awaken her, is there going to be any peace in that household? So not only have they stole our language of peace, but they stole our soundtrack. I could talk for an hour about Ave Maria, the beauty and holiness of that song, a long, rich, and enduring history, and they stole it. I think very intentionally to try to make a point, right? Things don't happen in a 30-second commercial by accident. They're trying to make a point that Mary, the mother of our Lord, Jesus, God's very self, approves of that dysfunction. That's what they're trying to sell. 
that somehow having anything I want, whenever I want it, however it gets to me, that that is endorsed by God. And I believe that that hurts the church. As a pastor, I'm deeply offended by that because that isn't the way it is. What's my problem with that commercial is the lack of integrity between what we believe as Christians and what they're selling us to be. And we hear that, and I know this commercial is kind of ha-ha, wink-wig, pastor, come on, pastor, find your happy place. I know that that's probably part of what's going on in your head right now. But at the end of the day, I do believe that it shapes us. We believe somehow that God approves of that stuff. And it lacks integrity between what we believe and what gets lived out. It promotes a living of this hypocrisy of our faith. Now, we are in week two of a series on being blessed. Pastor Michelle did a great job getting us into this series last week. I will tell you, I believe we use the word blessed all wrong. We use it all wrong. We use the word blessed kind of when we have all of this stuff, kind of like that commercial, when we have everything we want, whenever we want it, however we want it, instead of, I get how we got here, instead of going, yeah, I did that, I get it, we kind of go, oh, shucks, golly gee, I'm blessed, golly gee, I'm blessed. That doesn't have anything to do with what God and Christ Jesus mean by being blessed, right? So I get how we got here, but that isn't what it means, and we use it all the time. We kind of try to say, well, I know that I live a self-centered and self-indulged life, but um, oh, I'm just blessed. When it is, as a matter of fact, if you have a set of drums overnighted to you for your 10-year-old who can't wait another day for a set of drums, that, by definition, is self-indulged. And they're trying to tell us that it's not. <laughs> so I get how we got here. But let's try to get to the right place. Now, we've been going through Matthew's Gospel. Again, I hope that you'll read it with me. And I really would like for you to open up the Pew Bible, or if you have it on your device, open up to Matthew's chapter 7, because it really is helpful. And we're going to cover more than what we had read. So again, Matthew 7, if you have your, it on your device, or if you have your Bible from home, page 884, 885 in your Pew Bible. So as you're opening to 884 and 885, I will remind you about the big picture of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's gospel works on this framework, much of what we've been talking about, this framework between hypocrisy and integrity that the Jesus in Matthew's gospel is trying to teach the disciples, trying to teach us all how to move from this hypocritical life to a life filled with integrity. And what he is doing is in the context of the fact that, you know, the law had been given, the Ten Commandments had been given, lots of laws had been given to the people. They'd been shepherded by the Pharisees, the scribes, um, the Sadducees. They were the rule keepers, and they benefited from all of that stuff. They had a great life because of all those laws. The average person, actually, tried to keep those laws, and even if they were faithful in trying to keep those laws, they were nothing but a checklist. And Jesus, primarily as a teacher in Matthew's Gospel, is trying to get folks to move from having the faith in the head to having the faith in the heart. So that there was this basic integrity between what I really believed and how I lived my life. And to be honest with you, that's my goal for you too. To try to get you to move from what you 
really believe in your heart of hearts to making your life a reflection of what you really believe in your heart of hearts. And when we do what God wants us to do, rather than what we want to do, that begets God's blessings. So let's look at chapter 7, perfect microcosm of the whole book, right? We start off by, in, in verse 1, he starts off by talking about life is an eye candy. Don't judge other people. How on earth can you fix them in the log that you see, or the speck that you see in their eye if you've got a log in your own? Then he says to search hard for God. Search hard. And if you find God, you'll know. Because why? You'll have this integrity of the golden rule. That's the perfect integrity statement to treat others as you would want them to treat you. He says that that's hard, that it's a narrow gate to get there. And then he talks about how we'll be able to tell, God will be able to tell by how we live our lives. If what we're living is matching what we're supposed to believe, or in fact, what we're doing matches our heart, we'll be able to tell. And if it's not good, it's doomsday. So then he talks about don't deceive yourself because this isn't that easy. You can't just fool anybody to get there, but if you heed his words, if you listen and live as he asks you to live, then you will be like that house built on rock, not built on sand, and you will endure. Again, hear the recurring theme of this integrity versus hypocrisy. And then finally, at the end, again, perfect summary of it all is in verse 28. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as one of the scribes. Do you want to feel blessed? Do what God wills you to do. Do you want to understand God's blessings? It's not about having what you want, when you want it, and how you want it. It is about living with integrity as, God's wills, as God wills for you. Do you know somebody who, maybe somebody in your family, maybe a work associate, maybe a friend, who no matter how much stuff they have is never happy? Do you know somebody like that? I think we all do, don't we? Why is that? Because they don't understand what it really means to be blessed by God. They attach all of their happiness to the stuff. It's like the Amazon Prime commercial. We know God's blessings when we, and we have the sense of satisfaction when we're absolutely certain that we've done God's will. I mean, conversely, when was the time that you were absolutely certain that God was blessing you? Like, wow. God was so close. I just, wow, I was so carried through. I can guarantee you it didn't have anything to do with what you purchased. It wasn't tied to a buy or getting it overnighted to you. Knowing God's blessing has everything to do with enduring, and usually God's blessings aren't in the good things, like, oh, I've got so much, I'm so blessed. That's not at all. It's usually, matter of fact, associated with the hard things. Like perhaps enduring and having strength during a profound time of grief, or helping someone, a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, get through a difficult health crisis, doing well in managing your, and stewarding your time, talent, and treasure, 
really caring for somebody when they needed you. Holding on to your sense of self when the whole world has told you what they think you are and yet understanding to the core that this is who God made me. That yields satisfaction. It's then that we know that we are blessed. I would go as far as to say that I believe we know God's blessings not through what we purchase or our abundance, but rather we know God's blessings most specifically during the hardest, most difficult times. The things we like the least are what yields that satisfaction and that sense of blessing. So my wife and I just got back from Holden Village. We went to see our daughter. Uh, Holden Village, uh, our daughter's doing an art fellowship there, and Holden Village is a former mining camp that was deeded to the Lutherans, and they've created this kind of world-class camp. It's very remote, really hard to get to, in the eastern slopes of the Cascade Mountains of Washington State. Um, Again, very remote. Um, It's a beautiful area there. And um, they have all kinds of people come, but they maintain this village, which is really amazing all year round. And we went um, in February, and I told you a little bit about it, and so um, it was interesting to go. Because in February we went, they, got, they had a lot of snow. So this was um, the cabin, the one on the right was the cabin we stayed in, all right? And see that little lamp, that little foot lamp there? Well, let's go to the next slide. That lamp is actually seven feet tall because they average 275 inches of snow every year, right? And so that's what it looks like um, now. Um, And then we can go to the next one. This was a a little former um, fueling station on the the road. The road ends right about there. It's this little fueling station, and that was in February. But then this is what it looks like now. It's actually a fire hydrant. It's actually a fire station, right? So they get lots of snow. We actually got snowed on when we were there. There was no snow in the village, but when we were there, we were hiking, and there was snow, and we came back from this hike, and it had snowed in the village, and I was like to everybody, oh, wow, it was snowing, and they were like, oh, snow. Most of them love snow, but at the end of the day, they're like, it's way too early, right? Because here was just the beginning of October, and they actually had snow at the end of February, and what we woke up one morning, and um, this, which is called Bonanza, Bonanza was blank, and then we woke up in the morning, and that's what Bonanza looked like the next morning. Pretty amazing, right? So, snow. They kind of love it up there. You got to, but they were dreading it because it was so early. Now, I hear it's going to snow on Wednesday. How y'all feel about snow? Anybody, anybody dreading it? Who's dreading snow? It's too early, right? Can you imagine, though, snow being a blessing? What would that be like? Well, let me tell you a story. My daughter, our daughter told us the story of, um, of the Wolverine Creek fire. So uh, a lightning strike had started a fire east of Holden Village, and the fire went up the mountain and came down the other side. Holden is nestled in a little valley between all these peaks, and it came roaring down. It came within literally about 50 yards from their village. They evacuated everybody. They couldn't secure the road, so they were worried about people being trapped. When they were finally able to secure the road, they brought in a team of five employees to fight the fire. And on this 
picture, I don't know if you can see it, but at the base of some of the buildings, they wrap the buildings in a foil-type insulation. So if the grass started on fire, it wouldn't start the building at the base on fire. They've replaced roofs with metal roofs, so that helps. And then the other thing that they had purchased and done was they put up sprinklers. They have all of these sprinklers that shoot water into the air the goal of which was to create a dome of water so that when embers blew off the fire, they would go out when they landed, or if they landed and they were still burning, they would um, hit wet surface. So five people went in and did this firework. You can see the sprinkler shooting when the fire was that close, right? And so all of this um, work was being done. What they also did, these five folks, is they housed 500 or so first responder firemen that they housed and fed during the time that was their work there. This went on for weeks, four years ago. And they had, they said, Matt and Nancy said they had two models when they were there when they were doing all this drudgery, this work that they hated, they said, it will be what it will be, right? Because there's nothing like a forest fire to show you how powerless you are. And the second was, someday the snow will fall. Because when the snow fell, they would know that the fires weren't going to win. So they fought for weeks. Finally, it, it was clear enough around the village. It basically burned around the village that they knew that they were safe. They finally had a, a time where they could take a break. After all of these continuous work days, they finally could take a break. In mid-morning, they sat down on a high part of the village. And again, it's nestled. This is a, a view from it. It's nestled in this valley. And they sat down, and finally all of the smoke blew the other directions, and the clouds cleared, and they looked up. It was the end of September, and they looked up, and the far peak there is buckskin, the highest mountain in the range in their area. And they looked up, and just like this, buckskin, they could see the point of it, and it was covered with snow. And they began to weep. Someday, the snow, it will snow again. The snow will fall. And they could see that it did. The thing that they thought was the very worst thing, this early snow, was the sign of the promise, was the best thing, the blessing. Now, Emily, our daughter, heard that story six months after it happened. And two days after coming down from the mountain, you see, she climbed up into the mountain. She took a, this photo. My daughter uses uh, eggs, and this is a quail egg, as pinhole cameras. If you want to learn more, ask me about it. Google her. She has a website. But she took this picture with an egg. And that's the negative. Then she flipped it. She took a picture of the picture and then flipped it. And this is buckhorn, and it was covered in snow. And she heard that two days after she took that picture, she heard this story about snow being the promise. And she wept because she had been standing when she took this picture knee-deep in the snow that was the promise. When the worst things that we face are our blessings, That's a sign of the mature faith. If you want to have a mature faith, it's not tied to all of the stuff that you have, having what you want, when you want, how you want it. That's not what it means to be blessed. Being blessed is having the integrity in the hardest of times, knowing that we did what God wills for us. Be blessed. Amen.